I'm Chris Biddle and welcome to Inside AgriTurf, a series of podcasts in which I will be talking to those at the heart of the farm and grass machinery industry. Welcome to episode 6 of Inside AgriTurf. Following the last episode of the Future 4 Robotics in Agriculture, today I look at the increasing success of robotic mowers in the consumer market. In 1995, during a visit to a dealer in Antwerp, Belgium, I saw this rather odd-looking mower wandering randomly around a lawn on its own, grazing on grass. It was an early prototype of a solar mower made by Husqvarna called rather strangely the turtle, more for its looks than its grazing ability. Fast forward to 2008 and in the heart of Somerset lies the small village of Eddington, six miles from Bridgewater. Here I discovered at least eight or nine robotic mowers, again made by Husqvarna but now battery operated rather than solar, at work on private lawns in a village with a population of just over 300 and all sold by village resident David Gwillem of local dealer Gwillem Kellens. I also visited a local farmer with half an acre of grass to cut including steep slopes, flower borders, ornaments, kitchen garden, a pond and even a tennis court who had two machines at work which he left working whilst he had been on an extended trip to Australia knowing that the grass would be kept well trimmed during his absence. So was this the breakthrough? Channeling REM, I wrote a feature for Service Dealer magazine in May 2008, which I called Automatic for the People, suggesting that robotic mowers had made the transition from gimmick to serious option, and where the customers themselves were probably the most potent sales force. So today, 12 years on, has that early spike been turned into a solid business? So let's ask a manufacturer in at the very start of the robotic mower story and the dealer at the sharp end of selling them. First, I'm delighted to be joined by Ken Brewster, UK Sales and Marketing Director for the Husqvarna Group. Ken, it's good to catch up. Uh, so with everybody locked down at home during the spring and early summer this year and spending more time in the garden, have you seen an increase in business for robotic mowers? Uh, yes, um, but a cautious yes on that one, Chris. Yeah, I mean, the, the COVID lockdown did interrupt our progression on sales this year. Prior in terms to, of supply as well? Um, latterly supply, but originally demand. Um, before we went into lockdown, our robotics business was sitting at about plus 55% over the year before. Really? And we've exited at about plus 25. So that's, that's still pretty that's good. Months, still good. Yeah, we're not, we're not complaining, but the three months did uh, uh, take a little bit of the momentum out of it. And how does the UK compare? I mean, worldwide, are you able to give any sort of indications how? the market is, is, is pushing forward worldwide. I sort of figure, I mean, it depends what expensive report you buy, <laughs> buy yes. to see what the, the size of the market is and, and so on. Uh, the epicenter uh, for robotics is Western Europe, uh, yes. without a doubt. Uh, the biggest markets are uh, Germany, Sweden and France. 
Uh-huh. Um, they're the big three um, in terms of overall volume within uh, Europe. But then there's some other very significant markets. They're smaller countries such as Switzerland and Austria, where robotics is a very significant proportion uh, of the market. Uh, Switzerland, I think, has the highest proportion uh, of robotics, um, which is just over 50% uh, of the lawn mowing market in Switzerland. Is now really? Robotic. And that's by value, not by volume. Okay. okay. Sweden is not far behind that. Yes. Um, Germany, I believe, now is approaching 40% uh, yes. after several years of very rapid growth. And France is probably at about 30%. Yes. And by contrast, the UK is sitting at about 5% at the moment. Five, so we, we've got some way to go over here yet. We've some way to go. Um, but those figures from the other countries give you a clear indication of what the, uh, uh, the opportunity is. The um, I, I recall doing a uh, doing a feature on robotic mowers back probably twelve years ago, in which a small village in Somerset there were something like six or seven robotic mowers in this very tiny village. Do you find that over here that there are clusters of sales where somebody looks over the hedge, rather like? Uh, Pressure washers. I always find that pressure washer, washers is, is a garden fence sale because the neighbour looks over and sees a pressure washer and says, oh, I'll have one of those. Is there very much that in the, in, in, in the decision making? Yes, yeah, we see that a lot, Chris. Yeah. Uh, once one person uh, in, a, in a village or a street gets one, it's very common for several other people um, who've either seen it uh, or spoken to the original uh, owner about it. Yeah, so cluster sales very much are, and does the same apply to dealers? Those dealers that are really committed to it will will go for it, and others you've got a harder job to convince to get into the market properly. Yes, exactly the case. Yeah, we've we've got a, a relatively small number of, of very committed dealers um, who do a fantastic job uh, and see robotics as a big proportion of their Husqvarna sales and, and generally a big proportion of their overall sales in their business. They're also very keen on it because we get very frequent feedback that it's the most profitable product that they're likely to sell in a forest and garden dealership. Not only the product itself, but the installation and the ongoing service um, revenue that they generate as well. Because the perception would be that once you sold one of these things, you didn't have any follow-up service. But a lot of it is upfront um, selling, of course, in the planning of the, of, of the sale and getting the technology right and the planning for the use of the machine. Would that be right? Yes. Yeah. Um, we, we would all, certainly with the Husqvarna product, which is you know, mid to upper uh, price range, we would always recommend that an end customer gets a, a professional dealer installation. Um, you get that right, and it's effectively a trouble-free uh, mowing solution for you. And around dealers, over the lifetime of a, a robotic that they would sell, it's calculated that uh, around 40% of their revenue comes from the initial product sale, and up to 60% can come from additional accessories uh, and ongoing annual servicing. That's interesting. Um, there's a lot of talk these days about uh, people putting in um, ecologically damaging synthetic grass. Mm. Um, should we use a Mr. Trump fa- phrase, uh, fake grass? Yeah. <laughs> is there, and one of the reasons for putting these in is, is, is actually don't like mowing. So mm. if, is buying a robotic mower, which can actually be a lot, lot cheaper than putting in a synthetic lawn, um, are you finding that's becoming a factor within sales, do you think? 
Yes, I think it is, Chris. Yeah, um, I think the main reason that people buy it is for, for convenience uh, and for time saving. Mowing the grass can be repetitive and a little bit un- not particularly rewarding for a lot of people. So to have a, uh, an automated solution is, is very attractive. For, uh, I think it's the worst thing imaginable to have a plastic. Absolutely problem. right. No, absolutely right. <laughs> That these mowers actually are are made in the UK, aren't they? Most of the European uh, production. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, made at our factory in Newtonacliffe, County Durham. Um, not all of the production is now made there because the scale of the business now meant that Husfana um, had to open a second factory uh, about two years ago. Uh, that's in uh, Czech. So uh, some of the lower priced models are made over there now, but still the majority. Uh, of production is here in the UK. And, and, and what are the sort of drivers for sale? Presumably with increasing legislation in regard for noise and emissions, robotic mowers uh, knock a lot of those on the head, don't they? Yes, they do. They're, they're practically silent. Uh, there is no emissions, clearly. They're, they're very low cost to, to run. You know, it's about the same cost as you know having a light bulb on uh, for the uh, the recharging station so uh, minimal impact uh, on um, the environment um, another of the, the benefits is that because they're out cutting every day and they're just taking the very tips off the edge of uh, the grass there's no cuttings uh, to to collect or dispose of and you're getting a natural mulching uh, of your grass which actually improves the quality uh, and um, suppresses weed growth there is also the case, I guess, of them being a little bit of a status symbol. Yes, I would, I'd say that has been the case, certainly in, in the um, initial stages of robotics germ, uh, starting to grow in a, uh, in a marketplace. You get early adopters, um, and, and we've found here in the UK that you know, it's, it's our highest price unit, which is actually the biggest seller in volume terms and has been for five years. And I think that's a lot of the early adopter um, and people with you know, quite a bit of disposable income just, just buying the best one in the range, even though their garden might not need that capacity. And what's driving your product development at the moment? Is it, is it better battery technology or is it interconnectivity? I mean, they can now be driven off uh, Alexa type um, uh, devices. Yeah, connectivity is a very big part of our progression with robotics and, and also with, uh, with general battery products as well, handheld battery. And, and, and But what's also driving um, product development is uh, we're looking at boundary-free technology now. Um, at the moment, robotics are uh, cutting within an area defined by a, a boundary wire, which carries a very low uh, electric current, and that's what the lawnmower senses to, to turn back from. So we've launched Boundary Free in Europe this year and uh, in some test markets. Uh, this at the moment is aimed at the commercial sector rather than domestic. But clearly domestic is going to be a, a natural next step within a year or two. Uh, and presumably safety is a prime consideration for you as a manufacturer and, and the seller as well. Um, what do you do to uh, allay people's fears about the, the safety issues surrounding uh, a robotic mower? Yeah, the, the reality is that there's very few safety issues of any note, Chris. I mean, the product is designed to be very safe. Uh, we use a system whereby we have three uh, pivoting blades. So if they strike anything that's you know, harder than grass, uh, they actually flick back. Um, and uh, that means that they don't actually cut. So if somebody was 
daft enough to put their hand underneath a, a moving mower, uh, the worst they would get probably is a bit of a red mark. They certainly wouldn't be cut or, or lose a, a digit. So there's a lot of safety built into the uh, the way that they're designed. Uh, they run low to the ground as well. So if they come across a foreign object, uh, if it's over a certain size, you know, they'll, they'll touch it and reverse back. Um, and only if it's very low to the ground would they actually run over it. Um, we've had, to be quite fair, we've had some concerns over animals on the lawn, particularly baby hedgehogs. An adult hedgehog has nothing to worry about because it'll just, uh, it's too big. Um, but those instances are, are very few and far between. And for example, we've built into safety when the, the machine starts up in the morning from its uh, uh, its charging base um, it's a few seconds before it actually starts to move so if any animal has decided to uh, you know, seek refuge under a mower for the night yes. they're alerted and are able to move out before uh, uh, the blades start to move. It, it, it seems you've still got a lot of work to do in the uh, in the consumer market in the domestic market particularly in the UK here uh, so that must be a priority but 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 away from the, the garden into the professional landscape and sports ground, perhaps markets. Do you, do you see that, uh, that those sectors growing? Oh, very much so. Yeah, we're putting a lot of effort into um, commercial uh, installations. Um, and we've got probably just about 100 now operating in the UK across. Some of them have been bought and, um, and are being used by the customers there. Some of them are placed there as examples and test pilots by, by ourselves. But we've got about 100 commercial locations operating, big variety. Um, we've got city centre parks in places like London, Edinburgh, Glasgow. We've got lots of different stately homes across the country, Blenheim Palace, Hatfield House, National Trust Properties. Um, we have a number of um, corporate business headquarters now, uh, such as GlaxoSmithKline, Beecham, uh, Airbus. We've got universities and schools and colleges, uh, Cambridge University, uh, Stowe School, uh, sports. Um, we've got um, uh, grounds such as Tottenham Hotspur, Man City, um, Wolverhampton. So, so quite a range, quite a range. Yeah. And, and we see the sort of size of the machines at the moment, but do you see a company like yourselves going, going up in size for a number of, there are a number of specialist machines for uh, football grounds for, for argument's sake that are much larger than the domestic models. Do, do you see that as being an, uh, an opportunity in the future? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the technology is, is, has been developed already. Uh, it's just about, fine-tuning it and bringing it to market, which will be next year for, for Husqvarna. Uh, sorry, not next year, um, 2022 for Husqvarna. Uh, and that will give us a capacity that is, is some sort of 10 to 12 times what our current machines are able to do. Yeah. We have um, applications with our current machines, which have got a maximum of 5,000 square metres, whereby we can operate three machines in, in one area with a single boundary wire, which has been developed for football pitches. Um, so that there's, there's no interruption to aeration, etc., on the pitch um, with any boundary wires dividing up a, a football pitch. Well, that's excellent, uh, Ken. But that's a really interesting uh, overview of uh, of it from you as a major manufacturer. Is there anything else that um, you think is important uh, within this uh, this conversation? No, I, I would just encourage 
any dealers who are listening, uh, if you're not doing robotics, really look into it because it does provide you with a tremendous growth opportunity and revenue opportunity. And the first thing I would do is rather than speak to a, a manufacturer like ourselves, perhaps speak to a, another dealer um, who has a successful robotics business. And, uh, and see what Well, thank you ever so much indeed, Ken. It's great to catch up with you and uh, all the best for the rest of the season. And of course, getting back on track for next year. Thank you very much, Chris. Well, there you are. It really does seem that the customers who already own a robotic mower are the most effective sales force, demonstrating to their neighbours, telling their friends and generally spreading the word. And to find out if this rings true, I'm delighted now to be joined by Gavin Bird, who runs Greenstripe Garden Machinery, a dealership based at Market Raisin in Lincolnshire. Gavin, thanks for joining me. Uh, how long have you been selling robotic mowers? Oh, well, I've been involved in robotics since since the concept, really, with the manufacturer that we're with, uh, brought them in in, in in 1997, I remember. And it was a completely solar machine. And I remember purchasing their first unit. And at the time, it was £2,000. Was it? Um, and as a, as a dealer, it was one of those situations where I kind of grasped it and thought, this is the future, this is the way we want to go. Bought it, installed it at home. Yes. Um, because you, you so, live on the premises, don't you? Uh, yeah, well, where, where, to be fair, it was at our old premises. So, so where oh. it was in a small garden and it was, it was, it was horrific. It just did, didn't perform at all. Um, it was quite futuristic and it was something more out of tomorrow's world than, than we see today. It was, a, it was a very, I mean, in fact, I've still got the machine and it's a very, very uh, unusual piece of equipment. Quite flimsy and quite, certainly not £2,000 worth, let's put it that way. Well, was this I'm the sure original I'd, turtle then? Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I still only keep threatening myself to try and get it out and try and actually make it do what it was designed to do and then realise I haven't got the patience anymore to do it. But, but so I suppose we went in in 97 and I maybe persevered with that for maybe the first year. Um, and then really got quite disillusioned and thought, you know what, it's just not there yet. So, so we picked up pieces again um, in 2006 when it was sort of Generation 2. Yes. Um, and, and in fairness, we, we bought one into the showroom. We didn't install it. We had it sat in the showroom on the floor and people wandered in and, you know, did the usual remark of what's that? And, well, it's a robotic mower. Um, was it working? Uh, no, no, they showed more interest than we did in it, to be fair. But we had to have one as part and parcel of, of being the dealer. So we, we bought it and we had it. Uh, and at the end of the first year of it being sat there, I, I do remember because the rep came around and said, do you realise to, to remain a dealer, you're going to have to take another one. So we were certainly left with, we, they were going to be spawning in the share. That old line. Decided, decided in the wisdom that we'd, we'd put one in. Um, and we put it in at uh, our home address, which is on site, as you well know, Chris. Um, and in fairness, we laughed for weeks thinking it was never going to do the job. But actually, in fairness, that machine, um, who's avidly named Bob, uh, has been in since 2006. He's now done an astounding about 34,500 hours work. Um, and he's a little bit like Trigger's broom. He's had, a, he's had a few batteries and he's had an odd motor and things. But prim primarily, he's the same machine that he was back then. And he's doing the same job as he did back then. So the, the garden hasn't changed much, but and neither has he. He's, he's still doing a, a blinding job. And, and following on from that, we, we, you know, we, we did push it forward a little bit more. We, 
we got a few people who were interested, let them see the, the machine working, etc. Uh, and a guy I had working for me at the time, he got quite excited about it and he would avidly sell oh, maybe three a year. <laughs> was, we were pioneering at that point. And then you'd go to a conference and they'd say, you know, meet this gent from, from uh, Wales or Cumbria, wherever it was, and he sold 70. And I'm thinking, well, maybe we, maybe we didn't do a good job. Um, but that went on for many, many years. And uh, as I say, from there on in, I think we probably did similar numbers on quite a regular basis. Um, and, and from our perspective, we never really, we sold it. It was in the catalogue, it was in the range, but it was still quite pioneering stuff. Um, and then I think probably getting into maybe 2013, yeah. my guy... Uh, my guy kind of stepped back and said, I can't, you know, I don't want to get too involved with this. I'm, I'm getting too old to go out there crawling on my knees and putting pegs in the floor. So I invested in a cable laying machine and uh, we suddenly started fitting more. And I would think at that point, I think our, my, my first full year of involvement and in selling it avidly with Generation 3, which was a much better piece of kit, um, I think I did 17. Um, and what we found was that that, that customer base was um, pr primarily people we dealt with in the past. And in fairness, quite a lot of them were cluster sales. Yes. So people that, people that knew people um, yes. suddenly became involved and, and you know, suddenly the person that bought one maybe had an extra one, had another one for another area. So, you know, my 13 in, in sort of 2017, sorry, in 2013 was a, uh, quite a, a small number of people um, that, that that were involved in that, and the, and the numbers have grown on quite nicely from there on in. Um, and and in fairness, you know, we we, we tended to find those people, um, as I say, to talk to people and and people who once saw it as a as a gimmick suddenly saw it actually as a reality. And we you know we've been we've been touting them around uh, the local agricultural show, Lincolnshire show, for oh gosh probably five years before that and people would walk past it and because we'd got it dressed up as a ladybird people thought it was very much as a gimmick we couldn't give it you know couldn't give it a large area to cook because that would take up too much stand space um but we still kept pushing it and we'd sell an odd one or two and then the numbers started to grow and it's kind of it's rolled on from there i suppose uh, and what sort of machines did they replace uh, would it have been ride-ons or, or or sort of large self-propelled rotaries or what I think in the early days, we most of the time we replaced small to medium range uh, ride-on mowers. They seemed to be more of the um, that side of things than the than the small pedestrian mowers, um, and that that has changed massively. What we're now tending to find is, although we you know we've got product that will uh, quite happily replace some of the the, the larger ride-ons. Um, we have also found that there's, there's a, a definite and a, and a growing market for the smaller end of machines. And we're seeing, dare I say, the older generation that are currently paying gardeners. Um, we're seeing this, this COVID situation has, has sparked off something else where they haven't been able to get people into the gardens. So that sparked off a, a, a completely different tangent for us with where people requiring robotics. So. Um, I suppose that's the good out of bad, but um, but yeah, no, it's it, and it still maintains the same. It tends to be, you know, my son's got one and he said I need one, or you know, I'll, I'll put one in for mum, and and then suddenly son wants one, or next door neighbour wants one, but slightly better. That still exists. 
Um, so yeah, we're you know we're we're finding that now it's the range that that's out there. You know, from your few hundred square meters to your thousands of meters, they they they're selling right across the range. There's no kind of dead spots in there. There's there's something for everyone. And and if you had to sum up what made a successful sale, what how, how do you sell this? Is there a format that you've got that really uh, works really works for you? Um, no, I think I think in general, you know, the, the, what's what has changed with robotic sales for us certainly, and I'm not going to pigeonhole every dealer into this, but we've we found that the product is wanted. Um, whereas, you know, the, you know, in your own household, you know, a lawnmower is a necessity um, yes. for most people, but it's also quite a lot of the time a grudge purchase. It's yes. a bit like a washing machine or any white good appliance. It becomes a grudge purchase. Whereas, you know, we've tended to find with robotics that there's actually there's a keenness to buy it. There's a there's a time saving. There's a there's a cost saving. There's a green, you know, a green sort of uh, illogical way of buying it. And it's there's there's a lots of boxes that people are ticking with these. Um, and we are certainly starting to see that 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 is a profile for a customer that you know you can you can nearly tell when the, the customer does has done far more homework on robotics when they come through the door yes. or when they make that first call than, than, ever, than ever they would with any other product. You know, there's, there's the, the people that come in and, and want all your advice, but the, the person that comes in on robotics has done far more, far more interesting you know, research into it without a doubt. So you, you get clusters of machines. Are they still a little bit of a, a status symbol as well? Is there a... Um, I don't. I don't think. I don't see them so much as a status symbol. I think there's uh, people have. I mean, I have customers that have multiples, and I think our largest probably customers maybe got five, probably five units. I think now, and we're cutting some 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 really nice formal uh, open British gardens. So we're we're, we're nice. Yeah, you know, we, we they get seen by lots and lots of people. Um, but I don't. I don't think people see them as a as much as, as a status symbol as as, as as potentially they they where they were years ago. And it's and it's not necessary. We've we've got one or two. And I again not being too sort of pigeonholey. We've got some some very geeky people that like all the functionality of of headlights and 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 everything else. And I've got people that just want to cut grass. You know, and it's uh, so there's no there's no there's no sort of uh, definitive customer. No. Uh, or, or type of customer for them. I think at the end of the day, what people do see is the massive advantage that a robotic mower brings, not just in um, in the fact that the labour saving and the cost saving long term. It's also down to the fact that they see the quality of what the grass and uh, and the fact that the grass is always you know beautifully cut um, is is something that people are buying into the that concept but the, the time saving is is probably the biggest one and and the fact that people never get time to, to cut the grass um and it's quite it's quite funny you know you get a guy who's who's typically had a conventional mower that the pedestrian will ride on who if he's you know who can spare it for a week to 10 days or two weeks for somebody if we're going to service it whereas the robotic, the robotic customer you know is on the phone every five minutes if you've got it down you know if the grass has grown a quarter of an inch they notice the grass being more untidy far quicker than they would for the guy that that periodically cuts it and knows that he sees it grow in a week and then shorter grows in a week he's he's quite happy to see that that cyclic sort of thing whereas the guy with the 
um, you know, the robotic mower doesn't like to see a, a day's worth of growth. Really, <laughs> no. Quite unusual. And, and, and for years, of course, Gavin, we, uh, there were manufacturers who were trying to extol the vir virtues of mulching uh, for, oh, for yes. the grass. And of course, uh, without actually selling mulching, that's what you're getting with a robotic mower. Yeah, it is completely. And, and, and I have to say, you know, I mean, uh, what have I got? Four, five units here running uh, of different sizes. And in fairness, you know, in, in normal circumstances, the grass always looks beautiful because it's, it's you know, regularly maintained. And of course, you put in the goodness back in there. So it's, you know, we don't seem to, whereas when people buy a conventional mulching mower, they may, you know, they may oddly complain at some times of the year about the longer clippings on the grass. You very rarely see that with a, you know, with a, uh, with a robotic mower. Gavin, what, what are the customer's concerns uh, in buying a, a robotic mower? It, it, does safety come into it? I think the first thing that, that, that always tends to be head off when people start talking robotic mowers is potentially security, I think, more than anything else. Um, purely for the fact that obviously this is a product that they're going to leave in the garden all the time. They're not putting it away. And so I think security is probably one aspect that, that people... Um, probably show the biggest concern having said that you know we you know that the, there is tracking in quite a lot of machines um so they can be you know they can be monitored by 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 phones and, and mobile devices but by the same degree what we do tend to find is that you know even when we've had customers burgled before they've always left their robotic mowers <laughs> and i think that they see it as a uh, something that, that potentially they don't know enough about them that these machines could be tracked and could lead them down the garden path and straight to wherever they're, they're being stolen from, if you like, or stopped or placed after we've been stolen. So they tend to leave them alone. So security is never a, a major worry for us when we're, when we're putting them. We've got some in some quite high profile places and some quite very open places. So, you know, and we, we don't see any major issues with them. So other than that, I mean, safe from a safety aspect, you know, I think, I think the manufacturers have got these products you know, very, very uh, safe for, for the operator, for the surroundings, for the, for the younger generation, for pets and things like that. So I don't, I don't see safety as a, as, a, as a major issue. And I think, you know, as I say, from our side of the coin, it's, it tends to be more over security than anything else. The concerns, the concerns that customers tend to have and the main questions would be for us, security, uh, cost of ownership, yeah. um, which, is a, which is a, you know, it's, it's potentially... Uh, a slightly more expensive product to start with and that doesn't tend to be necessarily on product for product price wise because if you look at, at what these machines are capable of doing um, to buy a similar priced product uh, in a comparative large pedestrian or indeed small ride-on the cost comparative of purchase is not dissimilar in lots of cases for the capabilities what you have got is in lots of respects is is you know the installation costs and the ground loop wiring um so that you know that's the 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 additional the additional costs is what sometimes uh, the, the upfront costs yeah. yeah yeah absolutely but if you if you actually turn around and try and make people work out what they're going to save over a, the general lifespan of a machine and you know and mine at home is a great example you know uh, 24 years Fourteen years in, you know, I'm still going strong without any major issues at all. Um, whereas I suppose when you start and look at, uh, you know, a normal pedestrian or a ride-on mower that has a, 
a general lifespan of, of 10, 10 plus years with good servicing and change, um, they kind of start to see that the cost of ownership is brought down quite dramatically when they've got no major fuel costs and service costs obviously is not quite as, uh, as, quite as, as strong either. So, you know, in that respect, um, they are the reliability aspect of it, the serviceability, I think they probably tend to find a little bit more scary because they're a bit more limited to where they can take them to. Um, but by the same degree, no, I mean, what's, what's out there is, is incredibly reliable and, uh, um, you know, it doesn't cause me any concerns at all. Uh, and I, and I would, uh, sorry, I would imagine that most of the initial sales are made to people with, with larger gardens. Uh, are you seeing uh, interest from people who've got smaller patches of grass to cut? Yeah, definitely. Without, without a doubt. Uh, initially, our, most of our sales were in, the, I would say, two, two to 5,000 square metres uh, of lawns and, and, and grassed areas. And we've seen that drop now. I mean, so we've installed this week uh, smaller units into less than 100 square metres. So it's, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, really. You, you nearly feel embarrassed about going to put one in because by the time it's come out, it's done the job. But you know, they've, they've still got grass to cut and, and there's product out there that'll do it um, without any issues. And going to the other end of the scale, um, are you finding applications in what we'll call a professional um, professional area, sports grounds yeah, and so there, on? Yeah, there is, because at the end of the day, the professional aspect of it is is a completely separate but entwined entity because you know the commercial side of any grass cutting you know is not just the expense of the machinery but they've got a man sat on a seat um and and that's where you know the the real costs start to rack up for anybody who's employing somebody to cut grass um you know and, and so from the, i can see the professional side of the, the robotic mowing being probably at the forefront of of the domestic sales going forward to be quite fair and with all the problems this year, how will you how will you end up in terms of robotic sales? Will you? I mean, obviously there's been disruption to business and possibly supply, but uh, yeah, no, all of the above, Chris. I think you know, in fairness, you've just you've just capped it perfectly. I think that we will. Uh, we've had we had we've had phenomenal interest early doors in the year, um, of which, to be fair, we were very lucky. We we had some very understanding clients that that kind of held off and let us until they released lockdown, then we were able to start installing, which we did, um, and installed many, many units. Um, I think that's probably waned a little bit now, but it always does at this time of the year as, 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 as the grass dries up and, uh, and people's thoughts are more on holidays than, than grass. And even if it is a staycation, it's, it's still a, um, they're, they're thinking less about it. But you know, and the grass is not growing so much either. either. No, absolutely. The dry, you know, it's the same old thing as, as we previously said, that the, the weather is probably more of a dictatorial uh, effect on our, um, our business than, than anything else in the world. Um, and certainly as we see grass grow, people start to spend again. But, you know, we're still seeing healthy interest in robotics um, and we're seeing less, less caution with purchases now because I think people, you know, know enough about it have seen enough about it there's enough uh you know enough on the web to to, to make people's fears truly be forgotten there's reviews on every machine there's you know there's the, there's the good the bad and the ugly out there and uh, in fairness people can can make their own choices um and and, and in a way that makes your job easier doesn't it because they, yeah, they... 
Yeah, it does. It makes it it makes it a lot easier for us because I mean, the, you know, we're, I suppose in, in fairness, you know, as you well know, we're with one of the leading brands, and uh, um, you know, it's always means that it's a lot easier to sell a leading brand purely for the fact that it's it's got its uh, reputation out there. It's got its it's got its nice wide choice of product. Um, you know, it is. It's always nice to be selling the best, the best of of, of the brands. Um, by the same degree, we were sort of. I think every manu every manufacturer has now potentially got an offering of some scale out there, and I, and I think it's it's good to have that um, because, in fairness, not every dealer, you know, every dealer it means that every dealer can dip their toe in the the world of robotics um, from whoever they're comfortable with sitting with what's in the showroom. Um, and there's definitely more and more dealers getting involved. There is still quite a lot of dealers that are fighting shy of it. Um, and we know that because we get recommendations from other dealers saying, you know, these guys, these guys are heavily into robotics, go and speak to them, which is all, all good for us. Um, where do I see it going in the future? It's only got to get more. You know, it's, it's, there's, no, there's no going backwards from here. Manufacturers are investing heavily, heavily into it. We're seeing it replacing product in all sectors, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 most definitely it can only go one way. Indeed, indeed. Well, look, Gavin, thank you very much for for a very interesting trawl through the robotic mower market. Um, well, it welcome. would seem that uh, you 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 had a sort of slow burn start into the sector, um, but it's now presumably quite an important part of your your portfolio that you've got in the showroom. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. I mean, again, we're just moving on from that. You know, it now for many, many years, it didn't really come up as a percentage on our on our on our sales chart. If you like, robotics was always a very, very small part of the graph, um, and it is now. You know, it features quite heavily, and you can see that from from a manufacturer's point of view, they're all putting quite a lot of weight behind the sales side of it. So, you know, from our perspective. Um, yeah, long may it continue. It's nice to see once they've got the sales, they're putting the, the resources into making the product better, the range expanded. Um, you know, it's, it's all good news for, for the dealer network. Excellent. Well, look, very many thanks, Gavin. Wish you well for the rest of the season and, and thank thanks, you very Chris. much for your time. You are more than welcome. So there you are. Robotic mowers still have a long way to go before they become mainstream, particularly here in the UK. However, they are gaining a significant toehold and will increasingly appeal to those who regard mowing the lawn as an unwelcome chore. But they still want to feel the softness of real grass under their feet and of course enjoy the wonderful smell of freshly cut grass, particularly after rain. Furthermore, robotic mowers are nearly always a much more cost-effective option than installing ecologically damaging synthetic grass. And in the wider landscape and sporting arena, they offer labour-saving options that will make them an attractive option for those looking after large areas of grass. I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me. And this is Inside Agriturf. Thank you.